going to get to those questions in just a minute. But the, the whole idea of not being able to take the bus, people will have paid for their commuter tickets or whatever. They're of no use to them today because they don't transfer automatically to other types of public transport. Mm. It's going to be an expensive couple of days ahead. It is. But there's lots of options, you know. Do you ever hear of a term, Jonathan, Shanks's mayor? I, I, it's ringing a bell quietly in the back of my brain. Remind me. It's walking. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. But, you know, here in Dublin uh, and, and your fair city is going to get uh, very shortly uh, corkbikes.ie. Uh, Dublin bikes here. There's 44 bike stations around Dublin. Uh, minimum of 15 uh, stands uh, in each. Uh, and a three day ticket will cost you two euros, Jonathan. Uh, 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 even a monthly, if you do it on a monthly basis, 10 euros. And uh, you can go from right around the city. So it's not a bad bad option. Also, I even know, it's if... Gr- it's great, but it's no good if you're living in swords. Okay, well, if you live in swords, then there is the uh, bike-to-work scheme, uh, which employees purchase a bike uh, f- uh, through their uh, employment uh, and the associated equipment. I might assume that it, it also includes a, a bicycle seat <laughs> up to a maximum of €1,000 uh, uh, tax-free. So it's 4% at the moment only travel by bike at the moment to work. That's about uh, £64,000, uh, Jonathan. Uh, the government is looking to bring that figure up to 10%. That's 160,000 by the year 2020. So it really is a good option uh, about, and, and talk about all the, the cardiac and vascular, uh, you know, exercise that you could be doing. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect form of, uh, of exercise as well as getting well, I- you to work. As a former resident of Swords, <laughs> if you wanted me to cycle in every day, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want be shower. rushing out. You certainly want to shower at the end of it. 12 miles, I think, is the last time <laughs> well, I checked. Uh, other options that you could certainly think of. I mean, carpooling is, is definitely back on the cards again. Um, you but know, you have a problem getting into a car with someone you didn't know. I mean, yeah, that's, that's ab- the, the lift fairy on Twitter means that you might get to know them online, at least in advance. But I, I'd still have an issue. I, if, I don't, if I didn't know someone, that you don't know whether yeah, you're going to get it, on with like them. In, in, in Cork and, and, and in Dublin... The bigger urban centres, uh, you generally are living in close proximity to neighbours who you know are, are within a stone's throw of where you might be working, and it should it should be no hassle to go up and and, and ask them would they be interested in earning a few bob by by pulling the cars. How oh, hang on, there's, there's money involved, is there? I thought oh, it was yeah. done out of the generosity of their oh, heart. Oh no, you'd have to pay. You'd have to pay for the petrol and maybe wear and tear and depreciation and and those, those kind of things. You'd have some form of of, of charge levied, uh, but it would be uh, substantially uh, less than than uh, your your kind of public transport costs. Uh, well. Let's just move on to before we get to the questions. Debt management firms. There's a clampdown coming from the central bank. What are they planning? Well, uh, I mean, you know, they have to comply with new regulations that are going to be issued by the end of September, and they include minimum competency standards. Uh, includes uh, a proposal that any person involved in debt management will have a qualified financial advisor, uh, recognised qualification, a QFA. So there's all sorts of of, of things coming in. You know, it's a proposed, for instance, that the qualification, the QFA, and there's a number of institutions. Jonathan, that uh, produced the QFA uh, kind of, uh, you know, little prefixes. Uh, that's the bankers, uh, our Institute of Bankers, the Life Insurance Association, and the Insurance Institute of Ireland. So, uh, like, you want to be sure that if you're going to be dealing with a financial advisor, that they're actually qualified to talk to. Okay, and how do you do that? How do you, how are you issue? Is there a website you can go to? Uh, well, the the PIP certainly will be uh, putting down all their qualified. Uh, 
uh, and the central bank actually have have their own qualified financial advisor. There used to be two forms. One was called the authorised advisor, and the other was called the multi-agency intermediary. Uh, but they're now under you know uh, advisors for QFA, qualified financial advisors. So you will find it on the central bank website. Okay, let's get to the questions. Paul got in contact. He says, just wondering about John's views on self-directed PRSAs. Are fees an issue? What's a self-directed PRSA? Well, that's a personal retirement savings account, Jonathan. And uh, obviously these uh, are ideal for uh, AVCs, additional voluntary contributions. Again, for those people who don't want to know, you get all these terms like AVCs and it goes in one ear and out the other. But it's for those who are paying, not paying their full entitlement uh, into their existing pension. For instance, if you're you know, 35 years of age, you can put 20% of your net relevant earnings into a pension scheme on a yearly basis. If you're only paying 5%, and how many times have we heard uh, people say, oh yeah, I'm okay for a pension, I get 5% uh, in and the employer pays 5%, so I got 10%. But uh, at 35 years of age, you're entitled to put 20% in, so uh, to maximize your tax relief, and also uh, to give you some kind of you know, level of income that you were used to when you were working. So uh, that other 15% uh, could, could be going into, for instance, uh, an additional voluntary contribution. Um, and it's also, though, uh, an AVC for investors who want to, Jonathan, make their own investment decisions. Um, so a true uh, kind of self-directed PRSA, that's basically has assets on a, a platform that, with thousands of managed funds, uh, exchange-traded funds, equities, bonds, all sorts of things uh, right across the internet national markets. So okay, and fees, the dreaded fees, the how much fees, are they on the something like that? The fees for a PSA, you see, are standard. It's 1% for an annual management charge. Now, if you go, uh, for instance, Davies are an excellent company. Hang on a second. Before we get to that, weren't we talking about this last week and 1% sounds like it's nothing, but by the end, they take a fair chunk out well, of the money you that you put in. Well, if you add it up each year, uh, and then and and if you compound it, yes. But you're paying one percent each year for for that uh, annual charge. Jonathan, I can tell you, ten, fifteen years ago, it was astronomical what what was being charged on some of these uh, pensions. But this is the this is the yellow pack. Oh, I hate using that phrase, but that's what what they were terming the PRSAs as the yellow pack. But one uh, percent is the maximum charge that you can you can levy on a PRSA in terms of okay. annual management charges. It's also then agency charges which could be as much as 5% per annum. So if you're paying, for instance, uh, you know, 1,000 a month, uh, then 50 euros a month goes to the agent who sold you that policy. Okay. So, I mean, it's gratifying to know, to be honest, that, you know, you have substantial choice. Mo- mo- most people uh, with a PSA, especially if it's the likes of, say, a, a Davy Select, which is an excellent company, as I say, and they, they, I think one of the questions was about uh, whether their online facility uh, was, was of use. It is. It's brilliant. But you have to be a particular kind of person who wants to be uh, in control of their own choices. Right. And uh, so that, that takes time. It also takes knowledge. It also takes expertise. And that's why financial advice will always be needed. Uh, Simon thankfully says you Simon says uh, would you ask the money doctor if the bank can contact by phone to say uh, to ask is your house for sale no arrears what's the code of practice so in other words he's asking did the bank contact him to say by the way Simon your house is for sale and he's no arrears yeah the code of practice actually Johnson only covers uh, arrears Uh, but you know this this, uh, Simon may just be coming off an interest only repayment and going on to capital and interest and and the bank may know for instance that he is going to find this obviously difficult 
they may have even spoken to him about it and uh, ask if, if if trading down may be a, a consideration. So the, the, that call is, might just be a follow up to a meeting. So I wouldn't really be upset by this, uh, Simon. I, I'd call is, them. Is it any? Is it I'd, any of their business? If he's well, if he's I, I'd clarify their motivation. Yes, I would ring them back. I'd clarify their motivation, but don't ignore them. Uh, they've rung for a certain purpose. So uh, whatever that purpose is, uh, I'd want to find out what that motivation is. You know, bankers are human too, Jonathan. Nah, they're not. Don't be silly. Um, hi, guys. If a bank offers a split mortgage and insists on the interest being paid on the warehouse amount, is there anything that can be done to convince the bank to either forego the interest or to allow it to accumulate in the warehouse, so to speak? So this is somebody who actually is looking at a split yeah. mortgage, which yeah. is a desirable option for many people. It's the uh, only option, want to know the, in some cases. Yeah, the interest. The interest is the mm. issue. So what happens to the interest well, on the, the, majority, the warehouse? The majority of banks are not charging uh, that interest on the parked element. Uh, bank of Ireland have come out... Uh, uh, from the closet and said they are still charging uh, but there is something that yes you can do uh, is convince the bank that you have inability to pay and that's the only way they, in most of these lenders I mean also Bank KBC uh, have stated that they're on a case by case basis meaning that if you have the means they're going to charge um, as I said Bank of Ireland the only ones who are steadfastly refusing but the pressure is mounting however I'm absolutely convinced and sure that if you're a Bank of Ireland customer and you go up and you haven't got that ability you've communicated with them that you just cannot uh, you know, produce the money to pay uh, uh, the interest on that parked element. I can tell you the Bank of Ireland won't charge you because if you haven't got it, you haven't got it. Simple as that. Okay, so again, honesty and... Honesty and upfront, communication yeah. and negotiation. We got a letter. Um, I have to say, we don't get many letters for this particular slot. It mostly comes by email and by text. But this letter reads, I'm almost 80. I have four children. All of them are married with their own children. One of my daughters and her husband own three properties. The values of their home and two apartments are significantly lower than the purchase prices. They've had to make an arrangement with the bank on repayments as they are struggling to meet those repayments. I'm concerned that if I leave any asset or money to her in my will, that it'll be taken by the bank in part payment for the outstanding mortgages. Is that so? And have you come across other elderly people who are in similar situations? Gosh, you know, thank you for this. Um, and yes, I have come across many similar situations. And, you know, unless you place your money in a trust, which is very expensive, Jonathan, to set up and maintain, where only the beneficiary has access to the monies, uh, or you bequeath the monies to your grandchildren, uh, with which will escape, obviously, the debt traps awaiting your legacy. Um, but therefore, remember as well, you know, there are three different categories of, of, of capital acquisition tax. And the A category is from parent to child. Uh, the B category is from, uh, you know, the grandchild or, you know, nephew, niece, aunt, uncle. And then the third category is everybody else. But that top category, Jonathan, is 225,000 is what you can give each child of yours. Um, if it's a grandchild, it's only 30,150. And then uh, for all else, it's 15,075. So I think about it, uh, you know, if you're to talk to your children and say you're going to leave them X amount of money, um, they may be able to negotiate with their creditors uh, a final settlement that might make their lives considerably less fraught than it is already. And and it may be by the time, you know, you pass on and, and leave this money. As I said, you're entitled to uh, give 225,000, but anything over that amount, there's a 33% uh, capital acquisition tax payable. But I, I would talk to the, the children, the, you know, and yeah, see, well, I mean, is it in their interest to take the money? 
Does the bank ever have to find out that the money has been handed over? Or well, not to they, they do because, Jonathan, they're filling out these standard financial statements. And again, I have to say, you've got to be truthful and you've got to always be upfront. There's no point in being anything else. So if if uh, there there are ways and means of finding that you've 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 got this inheritance, you know, if you're going to put it into some bank and uh, you might be returned or whatever. Um, but even if you get this money uh, or you get the potential of getting this money, then you can go to your lender and say, look, I, I can get this money here now or I can wait till my parents pass away. If I get it now, will you give me a discount? OK, uh, so not not necessarily the best option, but probably uh, there are options. At least you can. It, it might help them, uh, you know, to live now rather than, you know, yeah. what, what use is that money when they're, you know, in their 60s, 70s? Um, John, the next one is quite long, but I'm not going to read it out because I'm going to throw that into the online money clinic. Sure. It's, it's about private pensions and ARFs, ARFs. What's an ARF? An approved retirement fund. An right, approved okay. minimum retirement fund is the, uh, it's, it's, it's what you have to do once you've actually decided to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, take, finish your job and move into the next stage of your life.